Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe, and sadly, Ashley is not able to join me today, but I am very excited to welcome Emily Henry, New York Times bestselling author of Beach Read, People We Meet on Vacation, and Book Lovers, back to the show. Emily is someone who deserves all the success that she's had. She is truly an author who knows how to pass it on, and I'm very excited because at the end of this episode, she shares some of her favorite authors, what she's reading and who she recommends and I always tell people if you are not quite sure where to find your next book recommendation especially after you find a five-star read from an author that you love check out that author's website their TikTok their Instagram see what they're reading because usually They gravitate towards writers who are completely different from them, but also grab them, or writers who have a similar vibe. So if you love Emily Henry's books, I'm sure you'll love some of the recommendations that she has, but this is also just a really fun conversation. And I say this all the time, but I am incredibly grateful for her generosity and the advice that she has. If you're a writer, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. But even if you're just a fan of hers or not a fan of hers, I think you will enjoy what she has to say about her own books, about the craft, and shockingly, about yogurt. So thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Since this was the second time we had Emily on, I reached out to get questions from our listeners to see what they wanted to know about the the famous Emily Henry. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And here's my conversation with Emily. Welcome back to Read It or List It. We have Emily Henry with me here today. Hi, Emily. How are you doing? I am so good. How are you? I'm great. This is so exciting because you book lovers came out back in May. So we're chatting in July now. And as expected, it has been absolutely everywhere. What has the response to book lovers been like? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's been wild. I was just telling someone that I feel like every time I have a book come out, I'm like, okay, don't get used to this. Like this is a once in a lifetime (laughs) thing. And then, and then a new book comes out and it somehow is even better. So it's been really totally surreal. I bet. I mean, I absolutely loved it. And I'm not sure if you remember last time when we had you on, we played a little, um, little FMK, a little bone, Mary Burry, and you weren't able to tell us about Charlie just yet. But you yeah. were like, I don't know, the the guy in this third book, he's quite up there. And uh, yeah. yeah, I think he has dethroned <laughs> the yeah. men of the past. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel. It's going to be hard to live up to Charlie Lastra in, in books to follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just so wonderful. I actually saw a video on TikTok where someone was like, I need fan art of Charlie in his race car bed reading on his Kindle. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, for when, cause I think Norris has that like very like vivid image yeah. of him. And I was like, yes, I need that as well. I do too. <laughs> I do too. You know, what's funny is this is like the first time, you know, when you put a book out, it's like, you kind of forget everything that happens in it. Cause it's been a while. And this is the first time in a podcast, the, um, race car bed has even come up and now I'm like, Oh yeah, I gave him a race car. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was going to say like, cause obviously I'm sure that you, you revisit things as the publication draws near, but you know, now it's been like two and a half months since then, but where did the inspiration for book lovers come from? 
it came from Hallmark Christmas movies. I mean, I was watching, yes, I was watching them back to back as one does in the winter, like while doing other things. And I love them. So this is really not a knock on them. But you know, when you watch like three, then you have probably seen at least two with the plot line of a big city slicker getting sent to a small town to drive some business, you know, into the ground or to lay off everyone at a factory or whatever. And then while they're there, like they're actually there to fall in love and, and be changed by small town life and, you know, give up their, their hardened city person ways and stay in like small town Vermont or whatever. So in those movies, not every time, but often there's like a romantic partner in the beginning of the movie who is just like the lead, like they're the hardened city woman. And her job in the story is really to be a foil to the real romantic lead so that when the real romantic lead shows up, you're like, she is so much better for this guy than that other woman. And so I was just like tickled, honestly, by the idea that there might be a woman out there who like keeps getting dumped in this highly specific scenario for, (laughs) you know, small town baker or toy maker or whatever. And from there, I was just like thinking about that character. And I was also like, why does this woman, you know, because what this woman does in these movies and, and sometimes in books like this as well, is she, she calls her boyfriend who's in this small town doing his job and is just like, have you done it yet? Get back to the city, hurry up. What's the big deal? Like, why haven't you fired everyone? And I just really wanted to dig into the fact that we keep having a character who just like is like that, who doesn't really understand why this guy won't do his job. I wanted to dig into that and figure out like, why is she the way she is? Like, why does she never leave without a full face of makeup? Why is she always wearing heels no matter how impractical? Like, why is she so devoted to her Peloton? And so a lot of it was just sort of like validating this character and then also giving her her own story. Yeah, and I mean, I loved Nora for that reason because as someone who like self-identifies as like a city girl, (laughs) I am, you know, I I do, I love going on vacation to small towns. Like I love the mountains. I love that. But like, I've always been someone who has big dreams beyond, you know, what society tells us a a woman is meant to do. And, you know, we don't see that a lot. And it's such a small thing because, you know, you know, it's 2022, women should be able to do anything. But for some reason, especially in romance, we find that that's not always validated and that, you know, you're not always going to find, you know, you have to go somewhere to find your person. Um, And I don't know, I thought that they complemented each other very well. Oh, good. Um, And it's such an, I know everybody's been saying this, but it's such you know, with the title being book lovers and all of the nods to the different tropes. It's such a nod to uh, romance and being a romance reader that is so refreshing. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I really stuffed this book. I mean, I was writing it (laughs) during the pandemic, like the first phases of it. So I think that I really was just like, I'm going to put everything that makes me happy into one book because that's what we need right now. And I mean, I think that's what makes romance such a fun genre that you think with the use of these tropes, it will be predictable, but Mm -hmm. just like how in music, there's only so many notes that exist, yet every song is different. There's only so many tropes that exist, yet every book is different because every writer is different. Right. I had the best time reading it. I was at one of the busiest weeks that I had this spring. 
And uh, I was like, I just, I don't want to be doing any of this because I just want to get back to the book. (laughs) That is the best compliment. I know, you know, that's the, that's the feeling. I think we readers are constantly chasing Mm -hmm. where it's like, this matters more than anything. And this is my real life until I'm done reading. Like until this book is over, this is my life. Yes, for sure. Um, Well, we did sort of just jump right in because to me, you need absolutely no introduction. (laughs) But is there anything you would like to tell our listeners about yourself? I did. I reached out on Instagram. I asked people, I was like, you know, this is my second time talking to Emily Henry. So are there any questions that you have? Because I got to ask them. Um, And specifically, someone asked about yogurt. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What do they want to know? How much yogurt do, do you eat? Oh, okay. You know what? I think I do eat more yogurt than the average person. But so I do, I eat like a yogurt a day, (laughs) a yogurt a day keeps the doctor away. Protein. Um, Yeah. So I think what it is though, it's like, the thing is yogurt is just practical. It's Mm. just practical. It's like, it's sugar, it's protein, it's quick and easy. Um, And I, you know, like I, when I'm writing, it's like, I'm you, everybody listening won't know this, but I'm wearing the same sweatsuit that I'm just (laughs) always wearing. Um, Because when I'm working, it's like, I just don't want to make any decisions. It's not like a Steve Jobs thing where it's that intentional. It's just like, I cannot, I cannot figure (laughs) anything out. So I just bulk buy yogurt. And every single day when I start dipping while I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I should just go eat a yogurt. And now I also have graduated to keeping cliff bars on hand at all Mm. times. And I'm sure that there are like nutritionists listening right now who are like, what is this woman doing? (laughs) This is so bad, but it, it, you know, it gets me through the day when I I have like a real dinner. You can dress it up or dress it down. Add granola, fresh berries, plain on its own. Totally. And sometimes I I do, if I'm not, if I'm not really busy, then I actually will jazz up my yogurt a little bit, but if I'm like, you know, deep in the throes of editing (laughs) as I am right now, I'm like lucky to get up to the fridge. Like that's kind of as far as I'm going to go. Well, I think it's so funny because I think I heard you in an interview once where you're like, I mentioned yogurt one time. Now everybody's like, it's my brand. Like I am Emily Henry romance yogurt. yogurt. Yeah. (laughs) And still no yogurt sponsorships. I'd like to put out there for the listeners. So, um, which I also want to say for the listeners, if don't, don't come at me with, Greek yogurt sponsorship opportunities because I'm a French yogurt girl. Oh, oh, that's mm, very yes. distinct. They are because one is, I think French yogurt, at least all the ones I've had are way less tangy. They're just sort of fluffy. And that's, mm. that's what I'm about. Do you get the, what is it? Um, the ones in the little glass jar? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I get the Wee brand, like Wee and French mm. Wee. Um, and I get La Fermiere, from, <laughs> which are like the, the richest of yogurts. It's like in little ceramic jars that are so cute that then I stockpile them. And my husband's like, we don't need to keep every yogurt <laughs> jar. And I'm like, but don't we? Well, maybe I'll make a parfait with it one day. Yes, exactly. I'm like, theoretically, this could be many things. Well, I find that hilarious because I feel like you have now become like the Taylor Swift of the, <laughs> like, uh, well, no, Taylor Swift of like writing because Aww. people are like, like dissect your posts for like yeah. Easter eggs. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's, I'm, I'm feeding, I'm feeding that craze. Like it's not, you know, they're, they're not imagining things. I am like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do this. So um, I kind of like told my, my publicity team, I was like, I would like to be doing more, <laughs> I'd like to be doing more cryptic things. And they were like, we can, we can arrange that. But 
so far they're just mostly like, okay, you go do your thing. We'll tell you when you're allowed to give real information. And until then, like you can just be cryptic. <laughs> well, then I like how the, the branding between the yogurt and being cryptic, yes. and then you have the newsletter called the grocery list. Yes. Yes. So, so you're just kind of like making like an Illuminati like <laughs> symbol where you're like, what does it mean? Like these three things. Well, yeah, because yeah. um, b between the US version and the UK version have two different endings. They do. And that seems to be, like, there's a trend on TikTok right now, like, this is a Birkin and this is a Birkin. What's the difference between the two? Oh and people have been doing it with their US and UK copies. And they're like, you have to read it to find out. Oh my gosh. And that is so funny too, because I think from now on for all time, people are going to ask me, like, are there different endings to this one? And And it makes me want to do that. But the thing is, the reason that happened was because I had finished the U.S. version of the book when the U.K. bought rights. And they Mm. were just like, we have a couple more edits we would like. And now, you know, things are happening kind of simultaneously. So going forward, I think I would have to really push them to let me have two different endings. But, you know, I am very intrigued by the (laughs) idea. (laughs) I think that's so so Obviously, I mean, you have had like a meteoric rise, especially from the success of your YA novels and then moving into adult contemporary romance. What has been your favorite part about keeping writing personal as like, you know, because obviously now when you're writing, you know, it's going out to a big audience and that is, I'm sure you're equally thrilling and terrifying, but writing is still such a solitary thing. So how, how have you kept it personal and what are the things that you look forward about releasing the books? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. I mean, the truth is it, it is this huge honor that I know that my books now will have readers, but it is way more pressure because before it really was like, I, I just need to be happy with it. If I can get to the point where I'm happy with it, that's all that's in my control. But now I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> there are enough people who have loved the last three that I really am just like dreading the moment that at some point I, I let them down. And I do think that's kind of inevitable. Like eventually there's going to be a book. If you, even if you've liked everything I've done so far, eventually there has to be a book that just doesn't click with, with a person for whatever reason. And that needs to be okay. But you're so right that it's like this, this really personal solitary thing until the end. So it's like during the drafting process, I do have to kind of convince myself that no one is going to read it so that Mm -hmm. I can just write. And then as the editing's going on, I'm thinking so much more like, will people like this? Um, Will they hate it? Whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I think that the the one thing that I have done that does keep it personal is like, I really like to give out writing advice on Instagram Mm -hmm. and to, you know, kind of pep talks because I know that that solitary feeling is rough, especially in the early stages when you're trying to connect with other writers. But I've thought so many times like, oh, I should do like a write with me kind of thing where like we all write a book together. And I've, I've backed away every time I've had the idea because I've realized like, I can't be sharing any snippet of this with people while I'm doing it, not even showing them the page, but you know, you, you see the writers who will do the time lapse of them working and they're, you know, I'm not overall a superstitious person, but with my first drafts, I'm very superstitious. Yeah. I don't tell anyone about them. Usually it's like, you know, my family will ask and I'll just be like, uh-huh, like, yeah, I'm working, but <laughs> I, I just like to keep it so secret and protected and treat it like this little newborn baby kangaroo who's <laughs> like in my pouch and they're not like hopping around yet. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a non-answer, but it's like, no, I, I do think, think that, about that. I think that makes perfect sense. I, um, I, this year for NaNoWriMo, I was like, I'm going to, you know, do little yeah. mini daily vlogs. And then I stopped like halfway through. Cause it was just like, at first, like, like oh, it's going to hold me accountable right. to do this every day. But then it just like, you know, you're so Paralyzes. in your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, then like, obviously I am not published. So nobody's like, when can I read it? But that's, but it's still scary when you open it up to the world. And I mean, that's even like a piece of advice I give to people who have had trouble finishing writing books. Mm. I'm always like, don't let anyone see it until you have a full first draft, because I think there's this thing that happens or used to happen to me earlier on where I'd be like working on something and I'd be so excited about like the first 20 pages or whatever. And I would show it to someone and it's a first draft and it's 20 pages. So they're just like, cool. (laughs) And you're like, oh no. And you lose all motivation to keep working on it. And so I think keeping that little secret for yourself where you're like, I can't show it to anyone until I finish a first draft. It's like, you've already made it to this huge milestone and it's so much easier to keep working on it from that point of having a draft, no matter how flimsy and bad. Um, so I don't know. I am like, for people who don't finish things, that is like one of my first pieces of advice is just like, don't show anyone, don't tell anyone about it. The reward for finishing it is you can talk about it. Mm. That's good. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might not work for anyone else, but it works for me. No, I think I definitely think that there's like merit to that because the first, I feel like the you know, the exposition is the fun part because that's where the idea comes. And then that middle conflict and then an ending, like, and people are like, the hardest part is starting. The hardest part is ending. Oh my gosh. The hardest part is every single day. (laughs) The hardest part (laughs) is the, for me, I do think is genuinely the middle third. Like you were saying, it's like the beginning, you're like, oh, I'm introducing the idea. I'm setting the scene. And then you're like, oh no, I forgot. We have to have a plot. Yeah. (laughs) I, I keep seeing these like funny things where people are like, I finished my first draft and I just realized that it's all vibes and no plot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're like, yes, sometimes, sometimes it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple other questions relating to uh, writing. Some people wanted advice for, uh, you know, someone who wants to write a novel. I think that that is very good advice. Just write your first draft. Yeah. You, gotta, you can't edit a blank page. Really. And it's so much scarier. Like, I don't know. There was so I, I, the first novel I wrote was during college. It was in a class that did like that NaNoWriMo like vibe, but mm-hmm. it was in February. They were just like that. You will fail the class if you don't turn in 50,000 words at the end of the month. And they don't need to be good. We did a ton of story structure stuff first and editing after, but it was like, you just have to write that. And so being able to do that because I had to really taught me, oh, I can do this. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the biggest barrier is that doubt that you can actually do it. And I want everyone listening who hasn't finished a book yet to know that every single time that I start a book and I've published like seven now, every single time I start a book, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, it's terrifying every time, every time I'm like, I truly do not remember. And just looking at the size of a book, you're like, how do you get from zero words to that? Right. And I think talking to all the authors that I've been so lucky to speak with, I think everybody has said, you know, it's hard to have a process. Like you can have like things that work, <laughs> yes. but every book is different because totally. all the, like, you know, the journeys you send these characters on are different and how you mm-hmm. like work it out. It's not going to, yeah. you know, and so yeah. someone said, how many books have you written that are in a drawer and oh. will never see the light of day? Let me think about this. Okay. 
um, one middle grade novel, middle grade oh. fantasy that was just so bad. <laughs> so, so bad. That was the first thing I ever did. And then like, okay, so two complete YA novels that nothing happened with. Actually, I think three complete YA novels that nothing happened with. And then like a couple of halves mm. of novels. And then at least one full romance that I wrote after Beach Read, but didn't do anything with. And it was like before I sold Beach Read. And then um, the bulk of like two other adult novels. Oh, well, that oh. is. <laughs> oh, wait. And one more and one more YA novel that I forgot about. I wrote a YA horror that I didn't do anything with as well. <laughs> I would be so interested to know what horror is like from your brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eventually it's really hard because I don't like to, it's, I don't like to be too mean to characters. So that's mm. the hard thing for horror for me, but you know, I want to do all of that. I want to publish all of that. It's just that right now I want to give the people what they want. I'm just like, thank you for my job. <laughs> like here's some more, you know, I love that. Um, okay. So obviously someone needs to know, how do you write the perfect men? Oh my gosh. I think it's that I am the perfect man. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I think the big thing is respect. First of all, like, you know, they're all funny, which is helpful. But the other thing is even when I'm writing, you know, everybody's sort of like your books start out as enemies to lovers, but very quickly you're like, they're not quite enemies. They just like, like arguing. And I think the reason for that is, I have a really hard time coming back from that line of feeling like a love interest didn't respect the main mm. character. Mm -hmm. Like they don't need to have liked them the whole time. They can even have disliked them, but I just feel like respect is not appreciated enough um, as a quality that you look for in a, in a romantic partner. And mm -hmm. um, I am a youngest child and only daughter. <laughs> so <laughs> So you probably know, I would assume you have that same, like, I, I constantly talk about my little sister complex where I'm like, I'm not being taken seriously enough or mm -hmm. like, um, just this fear, this fear that people, yeah, aren't taking me seriously enough all the time, despite also being like the biggest, like weirdo and whatever. It's like, I don't want to be taken seriously, but I do. Um, so I think that that has always been really important to me. It's like, if I feel like someone doesn't respect my view um, or what I do or take me seriously, then it's like that person has become my, <laughs> my enemy. <laughs> I find that so wild because like, Nora is the big yeah. sister. Yes. Yes. And she has such big sister. Oh, energy. for sure. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, so two, at least, well, no, three of my closest friends are older sisters, um, oldest, you know, oldest sisters and two of them are oldest sisters two sisters. Mm. So, and I've gotten to be friends with each of these people's sisters as well. And so I'm very familiar with that dynamic. Like I have been on the girls trips with my best friend and her little sister and watched them just be heinously mean to each other. Mm. And then five minutes later, they're like rolling around on the floor together, like laughing and like kissing each other. So <laughs> I I'm like really fascinated by that dynamic because I think it's just like the most intense relationship. And I'm yeah. also really, really, uh, you know, I'm really familiar with it. Cause I'm the one getting the text messages. Like my little sister is being such a, like a, a fool right now. Like she's making horrible decisions. I need to fix her life. 
Um, she's driving me like up the wall. So it's like, I, I am, you know, intimately acquainted with, with older sister problems. Yeah. I loved when I was younger, I loved being the only daughter and I loved having my big oh brothers my yeah. but as an adult. Now I wish I had a sister. Like yeah, when I was same. going, um, we had to postpone our wedding because of mm-hmm. the pandemic. And I was like, I wish I had a sister. Like I have oh. the best like female friends yes. in the world but like, there's just something like my mom has a sister who I'm really close with. And I'm just oh. like, I just wish I had one it as an adult. Thing. Yeah, no, it's totally a different thing. And same, it's like, I love my brothers and, and we're very close, but it's also like, I would never talk to my brothers the way that my <laughs> yes. friends talk to their sisters where I'm like, like I said, it's like just the most intense where it's like, I love you. I hate you. I love yes. you. I hate you. And and it's this safety net. And I think that's the thing with Nora and Libby. Like Libby can be like a little brat to Nora and she knows she's safe to do that because nothing is ever going to break their bond. And I think mm-hmm. that's just like really beautiful. And I'm sure very frustrating for a lot of <laughs> sisters, but very beautiful. Yeah. So I usually ask um, like who your writing inspirations are, but I wanted to mix it up because mm-hmm. I feel like you have been very generous of some like the people that you blurb and are the and um, you know, when you're asked, yeah. like who's on your summer reading list. So who have been your favorite debut authors Ooh. who have given some inspiration to you? Let me look around. This is, you know, my shelves are utter chaos. So this oh, is going to be don't, tricky. You don't want to see what my office looks like. <laughs> I know. I love the curated box where you're like, yes, my. I mean, like you can together. see my laundry right there, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> but it's down. like it's like aesthetically appealing laundry, at least. Okay, <laughs> I'm seriously looking around, and the truth is, I know that I've I've read some debuts that I've been like, oh, I can't believe this is a debut because it's just so good. But in general, I think that I am more the person. Oh, oh, okay. Here's one debut that everybody I feel like is already reading, but Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. I just interviewed her. <laughs> yes, she's lovely. We have the same agent and editor. And I just like love that book so much. It's so good. But in general, I think that I gravitate toward reading people's later books because I feel like mm-hmm. debuts actually do tend to get like the biggest splash. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I found the new thing. The new thing. It's like, you know. Um, and the new thing's always really fun, but I think it's really fun to find an author that you're like, oh, they have an entire backlist that now I can just inhale. Yeah. So who's, whose backlist have you been yes. loving? So this was last year, but I like, it's still the one I go back to every time I'm asked is Vari McFarlane, mm. um, who is, I think like, I think she's honestly very popular over in the UK, which I believe is where she's based. But, and she has a, you know, devout following here too, but I'm like, I need everyone to read Vari McFarlane because she's so funny. Um, Like one of the very few authors to make me laugh aloud while I'm reading, but also like will really just get you in your heart. Um, The one that I'm thinking of specifically in one market, it's called Just Last Night. And in another market, it's called Last Night. So I'm not sure which is the US title, but Last Night or Just Last Night by Vari McFarlane spelled M-H-A-I-R-I for the Americans listening. That's how you spell Vari. Um, but it, so last night is so good. It starts with this like gutting situation where you're like, do I really want to do this? Like there's a character death in the very beginning. Um, but it's then just like this beautiful angsty love story and healing story. And it's weirdly funny 
because that's like just Vari is like, you know, she knows what's funny about any situation. So that's one I just love to point people to. And the other person who I love to point people to is Kennedy Ryan. Yes. Like everybody should be reading Kennedy Ryan. Everybody on book talk needs to be reading Kennedy Ryan, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm having her on in like a month, I think like Yay. in the fall towards her next release. And I'm so Amazing. excited. I got yeah. into her books with real because yes. it was like about an actor in Hollywood. And I was like, I have to read this. <laughs> yes. I know. I mean, and it's like, it's, it, it real to me is like, again, I'm sure it's had some book talk traffic, but I'm like, this needs to happen in a big way. Like yes. everybody, you know, if you like, um, seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and if you like Colleen, Colleen Hoover, I don't know. It's like that angsty, sexy, deep romance that like, you know, we're all always looking for. Yeah. Love that. Two final questions. So someone asked about, uh, researching in fiction is sunshine falls based on a real place. <laughs> it is an amalgamation of places. I love to make fake towns so that I can do whatever I want yes. there. So it was like, I wanted that backdrop of, you know, kind of Asheville and the mountains and all of that. Mm. But I, I really just took a lot of weird little things from a bunch of weird little towns. Um, and then a friend of mine who lives in Asheville was like, this kind of sounds like this one town, which I believe was called black mountain. And then I researched that town a little bit and folded some more details as far as the look of it and everything into Sunshine Falls. But like the, the town hall meeting at the dance studio, everybody is like, oh, this is like Gilmore Girls. And I get that. However, my town, my neighborhood that I live in, in Cincinnati, the suburb that I'm in, the town hall is also a contemporary dance theater. Love that. <laughs> yeah. And like, so that is like a real thing that does happen in, in the wild as well. <laughs> um, okay. Obviously everybody wants to know what can come next. We know we can subscribe to the, the grocery list yes. to find out. Yes. Um, is I, I heard uh, inklings of fake dating in the next. Yeah, <laughs> I will back. confirm inklings of fake dating. Um, and I'm finally, you know, I do this thing where I have a premise and I'm like, oh, this is a fun, juicy trope. And then I just like accidentally write the saddest version of it. And so I'm just <laughs> now getting to the point where I'm like, okay, this is starting to be fun, fake dating instead of just tragic. So yeah, subscribe to the grocery list because I'm you know, I, I hate to do the prolonged teasing, but I really want to make sure like you, if you subscribe after I send out news, there's no way for me to like resend to people who mm -hmm. are new subscribers. So you have to be signed up before the newsletter goes out or you just won't get it. When, when can we expect the newsletter? I, I cannot say, but there actually is a hard date. And so it will be, it's, it's like settled when you will be getting it. Okay. Well, we'll make <laughs> yeah. sure we have the yes. link available yes. to everybody. Well, thank you so much, Emily. You're always such, so fun to talk to. Oh, and like too. I said, so generous. Um, and congratulations on all the success of book lovers. And we can't wait for more from you. Thank you. It was so great to talk to you. All right. Thank you. It's always really weird to end an episode without Ashley because the best parts of my week are when we get to chat and record. So Ashley, I miss you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. And I will leave you with what I'm currently reading. 
I'm currently reading Better Than Fiction by Alexa Martin, which is not out until November, but you know I'm a huge fan of Alexa's. And I'm just finishing up The Summer Place by Jennifer Weiner on audio. And um, I'm going to say that one is a little messy and not at all what I was anticipating. I'm going to have to wrap my brain around it before I can recommend it. But I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Ashley will be back with me next week. Fear not. I know that, you know, you don't sign up just to hear my voice in your headphones or through your car or however you listen to us. But you know what? I would love to know how and where you listen to us. So stop by our Instagram today at ReadItOrListItPod and let us know. How do you read it or list it? Where do you listen to us? When do you listen to us? And maybe why? Thank you again to Berkeley and Emily Henry. Book Lovers is out now. It is absolutely everywhere. Thank you to our wonderful listeners who make this possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Read It or List It Pod. All rights reserved 2020.